Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno Shoemaker, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. As the business environment rapidly evolves, so does the accounting profession. In this episode, we're highlighting some of the areas that are growing in popularity and will become topics accountants need to contend with in the near future. And if you aren't learning more about ESG, now is the time to start. Accountants who understand environmental, social, and governance, also known as ESG, factors can grow their advisory skills and become a stronger asset for their business. We spoke with Mary Adams, founder of Smarter Companies, on how CPAs can make an impact when it comes to ESG. What's happened, uh, there's a really interesting thing that's happened now, which is that uh, some of these issues around ESG, specifically climate change and a lot of social changes, uh, have become so marked and so prevalent that the largest investment companies in the world look at these and say, wait a second, these are now systemic risks and there's no way that we can take our portfolios and diversify away from this risk. And so, you know, these huge, the biggest investors is where it started, the Black Rocks and State Streets of the world. And they're controlling significant, but you're not controlling, but they're, they're managing significant segments of, of the work, work of the money that's out there in the market. And so uh, when they say, well, we need to protect ourselves from these systemic risks, then it becomes a, the only way that they can do that is to enforce and try to uh, encourage change in how companies are thinking about those risks as well. And so this has led to a whole movement around measurement, which we could talk to about in a second. Um, And it's moved for a lot of pressure on companies, specifically public companies, but it's rolling very quickly through the rest of the market. Um, Pressure on them to report about these issues. And of course, more than just report on them to actually make material improvements. So, you know, if you want to take a step back, it started with a values perspective, but now it's really become a value issue. It's about risk and opportunity and innovation. So it, there's, you know, in every risk, there's opportunity, right? So it's about corporate valuation and it's also about profitability. And Mary, you just mentioned it now, the the measurement aspect. And I know that we got into this uh, when you joined the OSCPA town hall earlier this year with our CEO, Scott Wiley. How is ESG measured and and is it regulated? How does that work? Right. So until now, it hasn't been uh, regulated. It's there. And, you know, if you talk to folks that are close to this, uh, this function in this um, reporting task, they'll talk to you about how they're just literally there have been dozens, there have been over a hundred, some people say, different frameworks that you report on. And some of them are very specific. You know, if you're in, you know, manufacturing in the third world, you know, there are certain metrics that people would ask you to to provide. Um, But, but 
that's been developing over probably a decade. And in the last year or two, things have really accelerated. So where we are right now is that the International Accounting Standards Board, which is uh, an, until now basically created international accounting standards, has, uh, you know, it's called the IFRS, has, has now brought under its wing, it's in the process of merging in and creating a, a new entity in the same organization with the same standard setting um, approach that's called the International Sustainability Standards Board. So these two financial standards and uh, sustainability standards are gonna sit side by side, um, be subject to the same kind of market review and disciplined process. And then those standards get adopted in each jurisdiction. So in the US, um, you know, the SEC would determine which, which standards get applied when. But the fact that the whole world is coalescing around a set of sustainability standards is huge news for accountants. And I think it's something that, you know, if you don't feel it yet, um, you're gonna feel it quickly because the money that is going into public companies also goes into private equity. It also rolls through uh, supply chains. Uh, there are just so many ways that it's going to come and affect almost every business um, over time. You can hear more from Mary at our upcoming accounting shows this fall. The link to register is in the show notes. The evolution of work is another trending topic, especially in the midst of the pandemic and company decisions to return to the office, stay remote, or go hybrid. I spoke with Dave Staley, Associate Professor in the Department of History at The Ohio State University and President of the Columbus Futurists, on the pandemic-related changes we can expect to see in the next five to ten years and the future of work. Well, I think that one of the first things uh, I want to look at are the rise of what are being called Zoom towns. One of the things that we saw during the pandemic is that uh, remote workers have discovered that they can re remotely work anywhere. And so some of them are interested in moving to places that provide them a better quality of life, lower cost of living, more affordable housing. And maybe that isn't in the same city even. Uh, at where their work takes place. And so I think that this is something that's going to persist uh, as, as, we, as, as we hope we come out of the pandemic. Uh, and that is clearly going to have an impact on the office, on what we mean by an office. Um, I think that before the pandemic, we thought of offices as really places to, to warehouse workers. And I think that the office is going to change. We'll still have offices, but they'll become places for occasional face-to-face -face work. More importantly, uh, offices will become uh, expressions of a brand. Uh, companies are still going to want to have a physical office, especially if they can locate it in some attractive address, some attractive or eye-catching address, downtown Columbus, let's say, or something like that. Um, so, And this will also have implications on how organizations are going to be run. Uh, I think that uh, they are uh, uh, probably going to become more decentralized. 
as a result. And remote workers are will be given more authority to make decisions as opposed to having to go to someone uh, over them. Uh, I think that uh, one of the changes that we saw accelerated during the pandemic was greater automation. And I think there's every reason to think that uh, we will see the automation of all sorts of workplaces becoming more and more of a reality. Um, and I think another big change that I found is what I'm calling the new mobility. Uh, we talk, we often think of mobility today as sort of moving around in the world. What's the most efficient and uh, ecological way to move me around in the world? So is that autonomous vehicles? Is that electric vehicles? Is that uh, uh, some sort of public transportation? But uh, one of the things that we learned during the pandemic is that it's the world that's becoming mobile. We had so many things delivered to us through Amazon or through other such services that I think that the new mobility will refer to the world being mobile and the world being brought to me. And that's not just simply things. That's not just simply the things I would shop for uh, on Amazon. That's also experiences. So that's education. That's telemedicine. That's the gym experience through something like Peloton or through Mirror. And I think that uh, entrepreneurs are going to discover all sorts of areas of the world that we thought were immobile and will make those mobile and deliverable. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned the experiences portion. Is that something that you think would have eventually happened on its own, maybe if not for the pandemic, but years and years later? Or do you think that this is something, you know, that you can almost completely attribute to the pandemic because of um, just the severity of, you know, forcing everyone to isolate at least the first year? Uh, I, I think I think that's probably correct. I think um, before the pandemic, I was imagining this as a uh, as a 10 year or 15 year uh, sort of problem or transition. Um, I think the uh, pandemic accelerated it, although I will say I think we're going to discover here, especially as we start to take our masks off very tentatively, start to take our masks off that uh, maybe we're tired of the virtual experience. I've, I, I have too much Zoom fatigue. I'm ready to be back face to face. So we might find, at least in the short run, that, that, that people are maybe not going to want to have experiences delivered in this way. But having said that, I think that we learned during the pandemic is that there was just so much convenience in having the world brought to us that even if it's not the whole world, I think that there will be significant parts of the world that we're going to want to have made mobile and deliverable. Technology remains at the top of the list when it comes to areas that CPAs need to understand well, and that includes cybersecurity issues. Damon Hacker, president and CEO and a founder of Vestige Digital Investigations, a digital forensic company with headquarters in Cleveland, said the key is to take a multi-pronged approach to protection. I think there's always new novel approaches and things that happen. Um, but, you know, it's really kind of interesting. I see the same things that we've been telling people for quite some time uh, are really the best practices. In fact, I was actually going to do a 
presentation in 2020. It was going to be called Hindsight in 2020 because people were coming to me and saying, hey, you've been doing this for 20 years now. What's changed? And the biggest thing that I said at that point in time, and obviously we're a couple of years later, but I still think it's applicable, was awareness. That's the biggest thing that I've seen that has changed over the years is now people are much more aware of it and attuned to the things. But realistically, when you look at the best practices in terms of what you should be doing, it's still a lot of the same things that we've said for, you know, all these years. Um, and, you know, you'll get new things, right? I mean, you know, uh, Internet of, of Things uh, didn't exist back then. Eh, kind of did. We just called it something different, right? Ransomware didn't, you know, didn't exist, but it kind of did. It was malware and, you know, did different things uh, you know, from there. So there's a lot of similarities. So I, you know, in reality, I don't think it's going to be much different than 2021. And given that, what would you say are some of the most pressing, really, you need to be doing those things, these things, uh, best practices that professionals and organizations should keep in mind for this year? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I always like to approach it more from a risk-based standpoint. And that's, I think, comes in two ways. One is, what are the trends from a macro level and what are the things we're seeing out there? Um, and then what are the things specifically for each organization? Because it may be different for one organization ver versus another. Um, so, you know, when you look at the things and, and I and I tend to do like a top X amount of things. I think this year is what, maybe seven or some. I, you know, I sometimes get it up to 10 or whatever. And, and a lot of times it's the same things year after year. There's some, you know, some perennial, um, uh, attendees on that list. Uh, and then there's some that change over time. But right now, here are the ones that I'm kind of watching in terms of macro, um, macro issues is, uh, we still see a lot of the compromises coming about because of lost, stolen, uh, weak, and default credentials. Um, so amazingly, a number of, you know, I think the statistic from uh, some of the, uh, you know, the big studies on this show about 63% of the compromises are still uh, based upon lost, stolen, weak, and default credentials. Um, so we'll talk about, like, what are, you know, how do you approach that? Um, phishing, spear phishing, and its related cousin, the business email compromise, um, still play a big part, uh, you know, in, in these compromises. We're becoming more aware of the vulnerabilities, right? So last year, the beginning of the year, it was solar winds. Uh, end of 2021, we had log4 shell, um, you know, novel, maybe, I wouldn't even necessarily novel vulnerabilities, but um, those are still, you know, a big part of what we're seeing. Ransomware, huge, right? Um, I also, you know, I previously mentioned Internet of Things, uh, so IoT. Uh, and then I would say the last two things on my list this year are third-party risks, and um, misconfigurations, you know, things that somebody set in one way and thought they were uh, secure and, you know, ended up not being. Thank you to Mary, Dave, and Damon for giving us more insight into future key trends accounts need to know. You can hear all of these episodes in full at the link in our show notes. What would you like to hear on the podcast? You can always let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com and please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.